G'day, I'm Stephen Page from Page Proven, Family and Fertility Lawyers in Brisbane. You're listening to the Australian uh, Family and Fertility Law Podcast. What you're about to listen to uh, is the audio version of a video that I've recorded that you'll find, uh, if you want to see the video version, uh, on the Page Proven website. But in the meantime, enjoy, enjoy this uh, listening to my voice. Uh, I hope you find it informative, uh, and if you've got any inquiries, of course, please contact us. G'day, I'm Stephen Page from Page Proven Family and Fertility Lawyers, and you may wonder, how come I'm wearing this shirt as opposed to a suit? Well, surprisingly, I, I know people who've only seen me in a suit, I do wear t-shirts, and I do wear shirts, and I don't always wear a suit. I wear a suit for work, but how come I'm wearing this really loud t-shirt. Well, um, it is, and why am I saying it in this video? Well, it relates to what's happened this year, 2023. This has been recorded in December, 2023. And I'm looking back uh, at the year. And if you happen to see this video before Christmas, Merry Christmas. If you happen to see this video in 2024, Happy New Year. So looking back, on 2023, it has been an extraordinary year uh, for me and our firm. And I want to start with the last bit of news, which is uh, extraordinary. No one thinks little law firms like ours have star candidates, but we have one. And that just talks about the attributes of all our staff, all our team. Ella Leach is a paralegal working for us. Uh, she will, in 2024, um, graduate and then become a solicitor. She has been awarded uh, the university medal uh, by Griffith University. That means that she is the top graduate in law. Extraordinary achievement. Well done, Ella. That is just amazing. So proud of the very little bit that we've helped you with. And what did Ella write her thesis about? Oh, you'll be surprised. Surrogacy. Because she loves surrogacy. Is so interested in what is involved with surrogacy. So, so, so proud of Ella. But again, why am I wearing this T-shirt? I might finally get to the point. And I wore this T-shirt. My husband said, oh, you shouldn't put this T-shirt on because, you know, it's got a bit, bit, bit of a kink in the collar or something like that. And I said, no, no, it's important to me to wear this. And aside from today, there have been two really significant events for me in wearing this T-shirt this year. So let's start at the beginning of the year. In February, Mardi Gras was held. And Mardi Gras was held uh, in Sydney in association with Sydney World Pride. So LGBTQIA plus people coming from around the globe and there were tens of thousands of them. And they went to, many of them went to um, uh, concerts and so on. Yeah, I can't say that I did, I was too busy. Um, but um, some of them walked across the Harbour Bridge. I couldn't because we were about to fly to South Africa where I spoke at a, at a conference. And this year, I've done 26 presentations. So just think about it, every other week, on average, I've been doing it. And of course, it never works like that. You might have a period where there's none for a month, and then there's three in a week. 
um, but 26. Um, and that's an average year for me, much, much more than any other colleague I know uh, who is in private practice. But Mardi Gras, my husband and I wore this shirt, our own versions of it of course, as part of Rainbow Families New South Wales March at Mardi Gras. We were part of Gay Dads. Our daughter Elizabeth uh, was given a shirt as well, but she said she was the only one in that group who did not wear the yellow shirt. She wore the white shirt. I'm not going to wear that, Daddy. It's too big. Not even the age of four at that point. Determined. And why was it important to be in Mardi Gras? Well, of course, I'm a gay dad. I just I think it's wonderful celebrating um, who we are and our parentage. It's just marvellous. And I'm told there were 500,000 people cheering on, but for us, this was such a significant event because back in 2019, a journo from the Australian phoned me and said, hey, hi Stephen, how are you? What's new and interesting in the world of surrogacy? And I said, well, you know, I'm really concerned about Australians going to China for surrogacy. And I remain concerned about Australians going to China for surrogacy. And I started to talk for a while and all you could do was crickets. And I said, well, um, look, I've got to disclose to you, my husband and I have had a baby through surrogacy in Queensland and we had to get a special ruling in our own case because there's issues about who was a parent in Queensland, et cetera, et cetera. And I just wanted to be open and honest with him that, you know, about that, that if he's writing a story, he ought to know it. And he said, that's the story. And I said, oh, I don't consider that a story. I, I just consider that, you know, that's, uh, that's just, you know, about me. What? Australia's leading surrogacy lawyer has a private ruling in his own case. That's a story. And I said, look, you're the journalist. You know, if you think it's important, well, of course we'll do that. And he said, yeah, I think that's important. So next thing you know, we have a photographer come around to our house. We all get dolled up. I wore a suit. I can't remember whether it's my, you know, what suit I wore. And we held our daughter in this uncomfortable position so that the, to meet the photographer and the Australian ran the story. Beautiful. Until later that day, I discovered uh, that feature that Facebook no longer has, this might be you in a photograph. I clicked on it and I saw that the convener of the Australian Christian Lobby had posted, and I'd served on a committee with this woman, had posted um, on her Facebook feed uh, with one magic wave of a gavel, this little girl has been forever denied her mother. And then it went downhill from there. All these people piled on uh, making horrible horrible comments. Now, we could have sued. We didn't. We didn't think there was a point to it. We wanted to focus on parenting. Uh, a judge said to me, don't let the haters win. Um, a colleague was much ruder. He said, I have two words of advice. Fuck them. And, which was all good and well, but this was something really personal and it really really hurt. So Marchi and Mardi Gras this year was cathartic. Here we had half a million people cheering us on over the two or three k's that we had to carry our daughter. She didn't want to walk, we had to carry her. Um, just a beautiful experience. Other presentations I've done this year have been for the World Pride Human Rights uh, Conference amazing. 
uh, and other places. Uh, as I said, uh, shortly after that, I had to go to Cape Town and present uh, international uh, conferences, uh, including um, in Las Vegas, uh, and uh, national conferences uh, in Australia, including for IVF clinics and uh, for fertility nurses, for example. Uh, but the second significant occasion that I wore this shirt was in June in Copenhagen. And this was for the International Surrogacy Forum. The International Surrogacy Forum was an idea of bringing together surrogacy professionals, academics, uh, lawyers, uh, those uh, who are associated with industry, um, psychologists and so on, um, who knew about surrogacy, knew about the research with surrogacy uh, and uh, the laws and how surrogacy is regulated and what the future holds. So the first one was held uh, in 2019 in Cambridge. And how the International Surrogacy Forum came about was it was an idea of a UK lawyer, Anne-Marie Hutchinson, and me. Because we had been having a discussion about how we had to have an intellectual response to a report that had been written. And I was wholly dissatisfied that there had been no substantive response. And Anne-Marie said, well, how about we hold a conference? And I said, yeah, that's a great idea. We should do that. And then from that little email discussion, bingo, what became the International Surrogacy Forum was first held in Cambridge. There was about 250 invited guests. And it was sponsored by the University of Cambridge and the International Academy of Family Lawyers, of which I'm a fellow, and the American Bar Association, of which I serve on the committee. So I was one of, I think, eight uh, organisers of that conference, but I couldn't go because it was about a month before my daughter was born. And it was made plain to me by my beloved husband that if I turned up and she, was, she would be born while I was away, um, I would never be forgiven. So the second one was held in Copenhagen in June. And so we've got past the pandemic. We have experts from around the world there. Uh, and it was held over two days. And on day one, uh, I was in this heritage brick building uh, with no air conditioning in June, and it must have been at least 28 degrees or 30 degrees, and I'm wearing a suit. And I'm the last speaker on day one, and I feel like I'm the chook in the oven. I was sweating and sweating and sweating, but there was no way I was gonna take that suit off if I was doing a presentation in front of uh, my peers. But all day, I had heard principally from European speakers about how important it is that there is a genetic relationship between parent and child. And if there isn't a genetic relationship, really, we don't like surrogacy. And I thought to myself, well, how does that make me and others feel? If there's no genetic relationship between parent and child, what happens with gay couples? What happens with lesbian couples? What in fact happens with three quarters of my clients where they need an egg donor, whether they're gay, lesbian or straight? What happens with them? The other parent not recognised? What about my single women clients? For example, the theatre nurse 
who'd never been able to find a bloke. You know, imagine she works these terrible hours and there aren't suitable guys around, discover she has cancer, and next thing you know, she needs an egg donor, a sperm donor, and a surrogate. What about her? How would that make her feel about parent? And more importantly, how would that make the child feel that, oh, this isn't really your parent? That made me fumingly angry. I was so angry about it. And I got asked a question, which was about parents' rights, and I snapped at it. Uh, I said, we should be focused on the rights of children, not parents. That's what it's all about. It's about children. It's a great thing to be a parent to have the right to reproduce or someone, a, an adult, for the right to reproduce. But what we should really be focused on is protecting the rights of these children because they are the most vulnerable of the lot. And all day on that first day, I was fuming. The more and more I heard about this about genetic, and if you're not a genetic parent, you're not really a parent. That was the underlying flavour. So day two came around and I thought, it's hot. I don't want to stew in my suit like I did yesterday. I want to wear something different. And I took this shirt to Copenhagen because I thought, I can wear this shirt in Copenhagen. I rather like it. It's a nice loud shirt and I can feel safe in Copenhagen. No one's going to bash me for wearing this shirt there. So on day two, I wore this shirt. And I told everyone, whether they liked it or not, you can't ignore me. Look at this message. Love makes a family. That's the important message. And the other news of this year, well, a um, couple of other things. This year I've been honoured the Queensland Law Society President's Medal. Um, I am the recipient. Extraordinary. I didn't want to be nominated. A friend nominated me and I thought, oh, the last thing I want to do is be nominated. I've got to put all this stuff together. And then after I received the award, which was um, extraordinary and humbling, um, oh, and before I actually got the award, there's, there's the, the contents of, of, the, uh, of the night, um, because it's the only award that was given out. Um, and here are the judges. And there were four former presidents of the Law Society. And I blanched and I thought, they didn't say who the awardee was at that point, and I thought, wow, that I've been seen fit by four former presidents, noble, these noble practicing lawyers, as being good enough to have the President's Medal. That is extraordinary. And then afterwards, A while afterwards, uh, I was at an event and the CEO of the Law Society came up to me and said, Stephen, we want to nominate you for the Law Council of Australia President's Award. And then explained what was involved with that. And anyway, I said I was deeply honoured and humbled uh, to be nominated and of course I agreed. So um, I've been nominated. I don't know whether I'll get it. Um, I haven't seen an award of who has been the 2023 uh, Law Council of Australia President's Award. Um, whoever it will be, I have great confidence that it will be um, the best best um, lawyer for that, whether it's me or 
um, anyone else. Um, I'm sure there'll be a high quality um, candidate who's um, awarded it. But when the letter was prepared in support, I found to my horror uh, that there had not been four former presidents of the Queensland Law Society who had uh, been the judging panel, there had been five. So I've been seen sufficient and adequate to receive the Queensland Law Society President's Medal by five former presidents of the society. Just um, simply extraordinary. As far as I can see, I am the first family lawyer ever to have received that award. So very, very fortunate and deeply, deeply humbling. I hope that your 2023 has been a good year for you and Merry Christmas. I hope that your 2024 is an even better year. Happy New Year.